The content in this podcast is meant for mature audiences only, 18 and up, as some of it may be difficult to listen to. Continuing to listen to this content releases Rest, Virginia Dixon, from All Liability. everyone to the rest podcast where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion chaos and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life i am your host natalie roberts and i am here with the author of the reconstitution method for healing and rest virginia dixon in today's episode heath lambert continues with virginia talking about his book finally free and gives three practical tips to encourage those both in the middle of their struggle with pornography and those who succeeded in escaping the cycle thank you for joining me for this next segment to discuss your book heath finally free and your pilgrimage to writing it and the challenges in writing it there were several things that came together to me uh, to to me writing the book the first one was I, I grew up, I was a little boy in the 80s. And when you're a little boy in the 80s, you can't get pornography. I mean, really. I mean, you have to go into a creepy store to get it. And if you go into the creepy store, you're too, nobody's going to sell it to you. And so I did not really have any, any opportunity to access pornography when I was a little kid, except that I had a nasty, creepy uncle who thought it would be cool to give me and my brother a VHS cassette of it. And I watched it. I didn't know what he was giving me, but we went home and we put it in the VCR. If anybody in the whole wide world knows what a VCR is anymore, we put it in the VCR and I could not believe what I was looking at. And what does that mean for a child? Do you remember what that felt like? It felt like an explosion. It really, it felt like, it felt like an explosion of there's something about this that I like, but there's something about this that's wrong. And it just felt like, it felt like, yes, just like this explosive conflict of there's something about this that's, that I like. There is something about this that's appealing, but I know this is wrong. And so in the midst of that explosion, I remember we beat the VHS cassette with the hammer. So we got rid of it. And so we didn't have any more access for a while. And then and then only episodically as I was growing up would I see it. And so I'm actually very, very thankful that I grew up in the 1980s when you did have a limited access to that. I I really can't imagine what where I'd be right now if the Lord hadn't used that as a protection in my life. You know, the guys that are growing up today, I mean, people give them a cell phone just about as soon as they're able to walk and they don't put any restrictions on it or anything like that. And so and so that was the next phase is I'm I'm a seminary professor, I'm a Bible college professor, and I'm talking to these poor guys. And they the only sexual encounters they've ever had have been with pornography. And they are getting ready to get married to girls or they're dating girls and they don't know what to do with an actual physical woman. Or I'm I'm counseling married men and their wives are watching them 
drift off into never never land where they're not interested in them anymore they only want to watch these things on the computer and so i was aware of this explosion in my life and i felt god's protection in keeping me from that and then i saw uh or i should say keeping me from a lifestyle that was just given over to it and then i saw guys who were getting trapped and i saw women too by the way but uh, but most of my experience was with men and I wanted to help. And I noticed I was getting invited to speak about this all over the place. And I thought, you know, it seems like somebody needs to write something that's not just talking about how bad it is out there, but that could really be a help. And so then when Zondervan came and said, hey, we'd like to do a book with you. you have any ideas? And I said this, and I'm like, we definitely want to do that. The, the process of writing it felt as much like a spiritual battle as anything, in part because of the the story I was telling you earlier, where I left town three times and on three separate occasions, I had these strangely weird, dramatically out of the ordinary opportunities to commit adultery. And me and my accountability partners who were walking with me in this time just realized this is this this seems like a coordinated spiritual assault because of this dark world that you're that you're in. Right, because if you're compromised in that way, you can't, it would have been finished. It would, yeah, I, in fact, I, you know, the book has done so well. And it's my wife and I, when we talk about, when we talk about how well the book has done, you can't celebrate it because it just means that there's this big problem out there and people just keep needing help. I think about all of the all of the people who've bought and read the book and all the people we hear from, thank you, you changed my life, you changed my marriage, all the people we hear from. And I think, what if I had hopped in bed with one of those women? What if I had done it? Uh, and it just seemed like the Lord was powerful to me in in those in those moments and in the time of writing the book to protect against what could have been a defeating kind of thing. Completely. Tell me what have you observed sets this book apart? Why it's success? Besides yeah. the obvious, the topic is real. The pain is real. The loss is real. The death that comes with pornography is real. Yeah. People still write books about it, but I think the thing that has that has made mine different and that causes it to just keep selling is one, it's, it's very practical. So I don't just talk about porn. I'm not describing the porn industry. I'm not describing the secular devastation. I'm saying, look, in fact, I, th I think I even say, by the time you're reading this book, you already know how devastating pornography is. What, what I want to do is help. The book begins with an explanation of what the gospel of Jesus is and how Jesus changes people. And then every chapter after that is a practical step that you can actually take. So, so you read a chapter and you've got something to do, you know, a step to take. I think that has helped. And then, and then the second thing, and I hear about this all the time, I hear about this from parents all of the time, is that I am very, very modest in how I speak. So I don't, I'm not going into all sorts of graphic detail about sexual details or the cons of pornography that's available. A lot of not books. Necessary. It's not necessary. It makes it worse. It puts images in people's head that I, I wasn't thinking about this before I read your book and now I read your book and I'm thinking about it. And so because I steer clear of that, it's been a resource that parents have been able to trust with their kids, that wives have been able to trust with their husbands. And I'm able 
to to avoid all that kind of talk while still being practical and helpful. So I think those are the I think those are the two things that I hear about all the time that that kind of have commended it. Give me three practical steps that people listening to us, people that are in it and people that are outside of it. Yeah. In it. This is the thing I think about all of the time. Uh, th this is the thing that makes me very concerned when, when I don't know how many conversations I've had and, and I'm very concerned about what you're just saying. So I would say the first thing is you must talk to Jesus. You must talk to Jesus. So it would be better for you to talk to Jesus right now than to keep listening to me, than to keep listening to this. So, so in fact, the one thing I might say is listen, listen to the other things for the next few minutes, but then at all costs, drop what you are doing and say, Jesus, help me. You don't have to have a big speech. Jesus, help me. Jesus, please help me. For those of you that say, say I pray all the time and I've never heard Jesus, just quiet yourself because the voice of Jesus is best explained by the explosion that Keith mentioned. And that is that inner conflict between yeah. your highest ideals and your impulse. Mm -hmm. That's where Jesus is knocking and saying, you were meant for more than this. So yeah. you can find that quiet, still voice because even a child could explain the explosion, something shattered. But even in that shatter, there's a tension between good and evil, right and wrong, light and darkness. That yeah. is the voice of Jesus compelling you to life, light, right? Yeah. And goodness, that is the voice calling you. So yeah. I just had to throw that in. No, that's good. That's your good. Conscience. The law of God is written in the heart of man. Right. The conscience bears witness, Right. That mm -hmm. is the voice of Jesus. Anyway, right. Lord, help me. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't, I love this thing that I shouldn't love. Would you please help me? I'm telling you, if you ask the Lord to help you and you believe him, he will help you. So talk to the Lord right after you talk to Jesus, pick up your phone or go down the hall or whatever your circumstances and find somebody else to talk to. You can send a text message right now. You don't even have to go into all the details. Hey, I need you to know. I've got a serious struggle. Can we please talk about this today? Maybe you can pick up the phone. It could be a dad. It could be a pastor. It could be a Christian friend. It could be your Sunday school teacher. It could be your community group leader. But pick can it up be your spouse? Phone. Maybe. That's that's tricky. The tricky part about your spouse is your spouse is going to need to know sooner or later. But the tricky part about your spouse is, I'll say she, but women look at pornography too. Uh, but I'll just say she to just have to be consistent you're bringing her in on the struggle and she's going to be a victim of the struggle. And so, so her first thought isn't necessarily and shouldn't necessarily be, how am I going to help you? So, so you probably need a little bit more help before you bring in another person who's also a victim of the problem, but, but it's not, it's not crazy depending on, on your situation, but somebody. And then the third thing is find Proverbs 5. Whether you've got a hard copy of the Bible on your shelf or whether you need to Google it or whether you've got a Bible app, but find a copy of Proverbs 5. That's God's word. That's God speaking to you. And it and Proverbs 5 is unbelievable in its ability to tell you the truth about what you're doing. Um, and so talk to Jesus, talk to somebody who can help, 
and then listen to God speak to you through a passage. It could be any passage of scripture, but Proverbs five is a great place to is a great place to start if you're if you don't know where. If you're out of it, if you're out of it, out of the porn cycle, but mm -hmm. you're building trust again in relationships. What are the three key? Yeah. So, so first of all, stay humble. Stay humble. One of the most significant problems I'm aware of is when guys get a little bit of clean time and they start feeling real big and cocky. Hey, I'm tough stuff. Listen, we all need the grace of Jesus. I, I couldn't even tell you the last time I looked at pornography. I, I have no idea when that was, but it's been a very long time. But I don't sit here and go, look at me. I've got it all figured out. Like I need Jesus's grace today, years and years after I've looked at it, just as much as you need Jesus' grace minutes and minutes after you look at it. So stay, stay humble, uh, stay dependent on the Lord, stay ready to receive consequences, particularly for, for folks who are married. When you've been sinning and, and your relationship is being undermined by your viewing of pornography and your wife is out of the loop, and then all of a sudden you bring her into that, it's going to take her some time. It's going to take her some time to catch up to the reality of what's going on. Uh, if she is like most women I've known, she's going to be upset at first, and then she won't be as upset forever, but there'll be moments where she thinks about it and she's just upset. Give, give your wife some space to catch up to what you've known for a very long time, but have been have been keeping from her. That's another element of, of humility. Hey, you know what? I was deceiving my wife for a long time and she's she's entitled to some time to catch up. And, and then the other thing I would say is find someone to serve. Maybe that's your wife. Actually, it probably is your wife. Uh, pornography is fundamentally selfish. It steals from your marriage and invests in your sexuality all on your own. And so finding a way to serve your wife, to serve your marriage, to serve your kids, to serve your church is in that way, it's the opposite of pornography. When you're when you're when you're sneaking down into the basement or you're driving off in your car or you're going out in the garage or you're staying up late so that you can make investments in sinful sexuality, you're robbing all the different people that you need to be investing in. And so when you're making investments in your wife and your kids and your family, home and church, you're doing the opposite kinds of things that uh, that pornography would lead you to do. So those are those are three things that I would mention. The people we rob most is ourselves right? Mm -hmm. The greatest destruction is what happens to us. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is like domino. The lie is, it's going to be a lot better if I look at this. If I look at this, it's going to be a lot better. And that's never true. That's what, that's what Proverbs 5 is about. Proverbs 5, if you will listen, Proverbs 5 tells you the truth. It's going to seem so great to go to this, Proverbs 5 calls it the forbidden woman. It's going to seem so great to go to this. But here's the thing, all at once, the Bible says, all at once, you will be destroyed like an arrow piercing your liver. And so in order to enjoy pornography or another woman, you have to lie to yourself. And the, the sin only makes sense. Nobody says, hey, I'm going to do this thing that will destroy everything I care about now. I'm going to do this thing that will make everybody hate me and distrust me. Nobody says that. Everybody says, I'm going to do this fun thing, and nobody will ever know. And it is uh, the first person you have to lie to is yourself. John Bevere spoke the other night at our church, 
and said many, many years ago, he remembers meeting with a particular pastor who's universally known and his downfall was known by all. It was very public nationally and internationally. And he asked him, when did you lose sight of that intimacy you had with God? Mm. When did this happen? And he said, never. I heard the Lord. I felt him. I spoke to him. I never, what happened to me is I lost the fear of God. Mm understanding the brutality of the natural consequences that would befall me. The mm. love of God never really left me, mm. but I lost sight of all the liberty and the freedom that I had was really leveraged by this darkness that would was ultimately systematically consuming me. I never yeah. left God. God never left me. What I left what I lost touch with was the reality of the consequences that come with the decisions that we make. Yeah. And it was a form of deception, but it was self-deception. Mm. And that was so profound. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, it really comes down to establishing intimacy with that quiet, gentle voice that's always informing us. God put this internal gauge in us, and it's our heart. And the Holy Spirit, right, speaks directly to the heart. But our soul is always negotiating between this world that we're engaged in, but the quiet, still voice in our hearts. And yeah. one or the other is going to win out. We have to decide which we're going to surrender to. Yeah much like you did in that operating room. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what you did for me today. I think we have a propensity to separate infidelity from surgeries, from a cancer diagnosis, from pornography, from all these different things that blindside us. But at the end of the day, it's do we see and do we believe and do we hear that the kingdom of God is really right here for us to access at any time and we can experience freedom. That's right. That's right. When we can access all these other things, but we say, no, the, the, the love of God is so present that I don't even desire these things. They're not productive in my life. Yeah. And it's it's a beautiful thing to experience in a lifetime and it's accessible to all of us right that's right yeah what's been the most rewarding part of your pilgrimage in all these different seasons of your life the most rewarding part that's a hard it, question it, it is it is a hard question, question but uh you know one of the things that that i always notice it, when i think about my life and my, you know, I mentioned like, I never meant to be an author, but there I was. And I never tried to be a seminary professor, but there I was. And I never wanted to be a mega church. I always wanted to pastor my little tiny church in Kentucky. And 
I thought that's what I would do, but I never wanted to be a mega church pastor, but then there I was. And so the my, my Christian life has been one of just shock, just surprise at where the Lord... And so the way I always say it is the Lord always gets the pieces on the chessboard where he wants them to be. And I think what everything about my life has taught me, the main thing I feel right now is that I have no desire to go anywhere or do anything. I don't mean I don't want to work hard or be ambitious with some things, but I just mean I, I've given any bit of ambition I ever had over to the Lord. I'm very, very careful before I say, here's what I want to do. I just, I give that over to the Lord and I just want to trust the Lord that, hey, you you are going to get me where you want me to be. And it's kind of the fun part to not have a plan that I'm imposing on what God is doing, but just trusting the Lord. In fact, one of the things I do when, and during uh, COVID, back that hard time when I, my church is falling apart and my brain's falling apart and the nation's falling apart, I just found myself singing wherever he leads, I'll go in a way that I've always uh, trusted and knew about, but never really truly believed. I just, wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so wherever he leads, I'll go. Laws of nature, self-evident truth, and our natural affections confirm this. This is, might feel like a monkey wrench to throw in this at the end of this conversation, but I'll tell you this. I've been studying the work of Dr. Palmer from German New Medicine. Okay. And the work of just Europeans studying. And at the end of the day, it's a work of providence and our physiology and on our anatomy, how it responds to that. Okay. And then the pyramid of health, the physiological, psychological, and emotional constitution of dis-ease states that turn into disease and illness. And it's really interesting because woven into their research, 80 years of research, and certainly woven into all these disciplines I'm studying, and it is the thread of providence that runs through it all. But these guys have actually have it down to data and research oh. and material that things aren't random. Yeah, no. There's nothing random. As a matter of fact, we should eliminate that word from our vocabulary. In my line of work, what I see behind closed doors, integrating a conversation I can have with a pastor, a professor, an author, and the work of all these brilliant people that I've studied in medicine over the last hundred, literally 200 years, that's what I get, that the work of providence is irrefutable. Well, that's certainly what the Bible teaches, that God is right. all in the palm uh, of his hand. It's fun. Thank you so much for making time. And I don't know why, but I think this was a divine appointment. Thank you for joining us. Uh, hey, thank you very much for having me. It was very good to be together. To get in touch with Heath Lambert or attend First Baptist Church, go to fbcjax.com. Again, that is fbcjax.com. You can also listen to Pastor Lambert's two podcasts, First Preaching and Marked by Grace. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to theplaceofrest.com forward slash donate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.